The reason I don't think people understand this stuff, brothers, because we go to grade school, high school and college and they teach us to sit forward, say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Get the job. Get the two and a half kids, the white picket fence and the dog and then get the mortgage. Don't worry. The bank will give it to you. And that's the American dream. That's not the American dream, in my opinion. The American dream is what I have now, which is pure time freedom, pure geographic freedom, pure financial freedom. And that's not because I have 30 million sitting in the bank. That's because I have more passive income coming in monthly than I have expenses. And when you have that, then you have free time and that free time compounds your life to feel better on a day-to-day basis. All right, three, two, one. Welcome in, lovely and loyal listeners. You are listening to The Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside my pal, the Venezuelan persuasion of Silicon Valley, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? If you guys have listened to our podcast before, we're all about helping you in your career, learning from people that have done amazing things, and the main goal of all of it to help you get to financial freedom so you can always live the life you were meant to live. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about how real estate can help you to creation of financial freedom. And our next guest has done just that. We are excited and delighted to have Maurice Philogene on our show. Maurice is a well-known real estate entrepreneur. He is one of the founding partners of Quattro Capital. And for those that don't know, Quattro Capital is a real estate investment firm that locates, invests in, operates apartment complexes, mobile parks, and multifamily property across the U.S. And needless to say, Maurice has had a ton of experience in real estate. He's done over 300 acquisitions and dispositions over 17 years. And Serge, he has one of the literally the most interesting backgrounds I've ever seen. (laughs) If the real estate thing doesn't work out, he's definitely going to be... Uh, competing with the Dosecki man for the most <laughs> interesting man in the world. So check well, yeah, he just said he, he lives a bi-country lifestyle or something. Yeah, well, check out Greece check out, one day. L- listen to this. He has been a colonel um, in the U.S. military Air Force for 22 years. He's been a senior police officer for 12 years. He's also been a senior executive at Accenture for 23 years. So he's had that corporate <laughs> life. Owned and operated restaurants for over seven years. He's traveled to r- roughly over... 100 countries, tried to make it in the NFL. I mean, case closed, like, interessante. <laughs> so without further ado, Mo, thank you for what tuning up? into our show. Thank you for being a guest. We're happy pleasure. to have you today. Pleasure, pleasure. That's what's up, man. I'm bringing your whole crew with me wherever I go for the intros. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, real estate, like, this is your bread and butter. How'd you get into it? Wow. How'd I get into real estate? The Freedom Retiree Show. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom came, popped in my mind when I was 21. I didn't like the idea of sitting behind a desk my whole life. Thank the universe for presenting me with the book, Personal Finance for Dummies, that I randomly picked up in a coffee shop in New York when I was 21 years old for $3.27. True story. Really? Saw a passage in there on, on passive income. It made sense to me. And then I bought a place to live like two years later, my first place to live. It was just a condo, but literally to live, no investment, no nothing. And it was at the beginning of the real estate boom back in the 2000s, so 02 to 08. And it appreciated by 30 grand in three months. I called Big Pops and he said, you just made 30 grand. And I was like, what? 
And I went to the library because there was no Google. No, Yahoo was just kicking in back then, but there was no Google. I went to aisle six of the Fairfax County, Virginia library, put out, pulled out like 10 real estate books, sat down, glass of water, and I read all of it in a day. It was crazy. And then by the end of the year, I had bought 10 more places. That's how it all started. Because I realized I had made someone's salary in one transaction. And that was, especially for an inner city immigrant kid who knows nothing except for work hard, save your money. Realizing that in one transaction was a big deal. That's how the real estate journey started. Yeah. Part of our podcast is there's, we try to pride ourselves on trying to like cut out the BS of what doesn't work for people, whether it's career in the money space. And there's just a lot of stuff that just doesn't work. That's touted as something that really helps people, but it really doesn't. Real estate's just been one of those things that as a financial advisor, a lot of successful clients I have, real estate. And Matt, you being a real estate attorney, have you seen the same thing that works for your clients? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all across the board with agents and brokers and, you know, buyers and sellers. They, there's all kinds of mistakes and things that they make. And some people, it just they just don't have a clue what they're doing. And one question I have for you, Mo, is when you got into this, did you, do you feel like you purely learned it from the books or did you have somebody that was like a good mentor for you? No, it was just me. And let me, I want to caveat something because Lee, what you said is spot on, man. There's so much crap out there. My philosophy back then was because I met a real estate agent. She was this old lady. She was in her seventies at the time. So I assume she's not with us any longer by now. She told me, Mo, if you just start buying little condos in DC, instead of going out and buying the big Dodo egg property, right? Half million, million dollars. Just buy these little babies, 12 of them, and just pay them off. What she explained to me is you pay them off, you create a salary for yourself, and you'll never have to work again. And it stuck with me. So my way of doing the real estate was really inefficient. It was totally inefficient. Here's what I did. This was my effectively 10-step process for getting out of the rat race. I defined my why, which was freedom, which we can talk about in many different ways. I started storing money off my paycheck, paying yourself first, the old Robert Kiyosaki's mantra. As soon as I had enough to buy an asset, I bought a condo. And then when that condo spits a little bit of passive income, I coupled it with my salary. And I went and bought another one when I had the money. And then I did it again, and I did it again, and I did it again, and I never quit. And to your point, did I do it by myself? <clears throat> yeah, because I didn't know any better. I, that was just the thing I was following I read a, uh, a few more books, and here's where it landed me. That process started in 2002. By 2014, I got up to 35 single-family homes, just grinding it out, which is totally inefficient, but it doesn't matter. It worked. Mm-hmm. I grinded it out. I paid off 18 of those condos over time because some of them appreciated. Like I kept some, and then some I sold. And then I found myself with 160 grand by 2014, making more than I was making at my corporate job. I was like, man, this is the real deal. And then what happens from there is you start to realize that life is not about money. Once you can cover your basic needs, you understand life is not about money. And then I look for a new challenge. And that's how I moved into apartment complexes and mobile home communities because I just needed a new challenge to grow. But the biggest thing I learned was more passive income than expenses means you're free. By far, people think they need a billion dollars, but they don't. They just need a little bit more passive income. Well, what's interesting to me is I think the the story that we're told is buy the big house and sit on it for your whole life. 
even my parents did pretty well. They bought a house and they're sitting on it. I think that's what gets drilled into us like our whole life. Just buy that house, a big house. Yeah. But I think what I'm hearing from you did the exact opposite. Like you started that way and then you kind of built this like, why isn't that more mainstream? Like this thought, it, it seems like this makes sense, but it's not really mainstream to this uh, way of thinking. No, it's not mainstream. Mainstream needs employees, brother. The dream, the dream that's sold by the financial financial institutions. I'm going to call out a financial institution because I can. I'm a military guy of 22 years. I'm a USAA member, and I spoke to a financial planner when I was 25. And that guy said, "All you need to do is take as much money as you can and throw it into the S and P 500, and you'll be fine." That was the plan that was given to me. If you can self-educate, is it? I mean, I can't remember who said it now. Self-education makes you a fortune, right? If you can self-educate on these topics, it's a totally different thing. I self-educated on anything that would generate passive income, anything, everything from restaurants to real estates to intellectual property. The thing that stuck with me was property. The reason I don't think people understand this stuff, brothers, because we go to grade school, high school, and college, and they teach us to sit forward, say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, get the job get the two and a half kids, the white picket fence and the dog, and then get the mortgage. Don't worry, the bank will give it to you. And that's the American dream. That's not the American dream, in my opinion. The American dream is what I have now, which is pure time freedom, pure geographic freedom, pure financial freedom. And that's not because I have 30 million sitting in the bank. That's because I have more passive income coming in monthly than I have expenses. And when you have that, then you have free time and that free time compounds your life to feel better on a day-to-day basis. That is the formula that I self-taught. And to your point, man, I, it's just not preached about, which is why you guys see me so active on social media talking about it. Mike drop. Yeah. 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 And going on the whole financial thing, like I can, as a financial advisor professional for 10 years, yeah. I can tell you that there is this kind of misconception and a lack of understanding in the real estate space. Absolutely. I've worked with some of the best financial advisors in the Bay Area, and I've yeah. got mentored by some of them that are just incredibly wicked smart, but they don't understand real estate. That's the truth yeah. of it. The way financial advisors most, mostly look at it, they look at it as like, well, if someone buys a house, how is that going to appreciate? Market's going to beat it all day long. There's no doubt about that, but that's where the thinking stops. And advisors are always, oh, don't get too much debt, right? But there cool. is no thinking beyond that point for most financial professionals in terms of how you can use debt as an asset to increase right. your wealth. Right. That's a concept that there's no understanding of. Also, the difference between the rate of return from your primary residence and investment properties, another concept that financial people just don't understand. They, so, they, listen, and here's a concept. Your financial plan should be related to your goals, not what other people tell you. Absolutely. I, I know people who that my, my philosophy of buying those condos back in the day, I don't do it anymore. Now I do large-scale apartment complexes, but I know guys and gals who own three, four condos, paid them off, and they're, they're done. Mm. They generate five, you know, four, five, six grand. They move to Thailand. They move down to Alabama. They reduce their cost of living, and they are not stuck in the rat race like everybody else. And to your point, Lee, you're, I think you're spot on, man. So you're, you are a very smart CFP or planner. Because there are different asset classes that can be used in certain ways to affect people's goals. So now, I am financially free. I will tell you that. I've been financially free since 2014. 
I've still never bought a new car in my life. I don't, that, that, those types of things don't matter to me. Now, when I'm doing the $25 million complex that we're going to close next week, it's not that I'm after that equity for more financial freedom. It's I'm after that equity to go do my own philanthropy work. So that's what drives me to do those types of deals now, because I need that capital for other goals. Financials should be related to what people's goals are at that particular time. At 27 years old, I just needed four or five grand passive income. But now at 46, I need $10 million because I need to go do stuff overseas in my philanthropy work. So it's all related to goals. That's an important aspect of all this. Yeah. The one thing that I look at, like with the real estate and the stocks, so there's a lot of people that are on like uh, one camp or the other, right? So I kind of look yeah. at it as like, if you have them both, it works better. Like you oh, have yeah. a better, oh, yeah. you have, it's like more having, you have more tools in your toolbox, right? So one mistake that I saw that people got into in 2008 is they over leveraged. A lot of people did. And then when that oh, happened, yeah. a lot of people lost their homes. If they had stocks and bonds that were more defensively oriented, that worked yep. with the plan, yep. it would have been something that they could lean on. So I look at it as like, in terms of pure wealth accumulation, I think, well, I know real estate is the way to go. I feel like all of it works together in tandem. Nice. Uh, I agree with you, bro. And um, 08 to 2011, I got in trouble because of leverage. I did get in trouble, but that was my first time going through a cycle. I had no idea what a cycle was or what it felt like. Now I have a lot of cash because I see a, a certain bus coming. I'm going to buy a lot of things at a discount, right? Mm -hmm. But when I did start reading all those books, I found Warren Buffett. Thank God. I, I found Warren Buffett and then I started studying Bogle and I started to understand passive index funds and what a 0 0.01 management fee means over time. So on the stock market side, I maxed out 401k my entire 25 career with a S&P 500 index outside of doing a few things like Tesla and stuff like that, because I believe in the power of compounding. That money for me that sits in the stock market, that is generational money. I already know that if you keep your money in and the stock market does what it's been doing for the last 10 years, that money is going to double every five to seven years. Like clockwork, it does. Just a matter of when you need it. So that money for me will get to nine figures and that's going to be generational wealth for families and a shit ton of it's going to be given back to society. I think you can follow the stock market and do certain things I think you can leverage real estate. So the way that I do it is stock market is for legacy. Real estate is for today, is for living day to day, is for passive income flows that come in, is for all the tax benefits that we get from it to reduce our liabilities. You can use one or the other and both at the same time to get the max result for you and your family. Can you explain the concept of debt, how most people don't understand that because right now there's this, there's people like Dave Ramsey, they're like, make sure you never use any debt, pay it all cash. And that, and I feel that's one of these philosophies that you hear a lot of people talk about, but why, what's your views on it and the impact of it? <clears throat> Dave Ramsey, I think Dave Ramsey's information makes sense for a majority of people because a majority of people are not fiscally responsible to take on debt. I'll just say that. So his information is not wrong for a certain user base. Okay, I'm gonna put that aside for a second. Debt is wealth, period. Money doesn't even exist. 
It's just a piece of paper. When you sign debt, so like when I go to an institution right now, like the deal I'm closing next week, so I think I borrowed $18 million, okay? If I don't borrow that $18 million, that money never gets created. That's all it is. It literally, paper just shows up, it gets created. Now, here's what happens with that 220-unit, $25 million deal, and I think we borrowed $18 million. We will close on that property, the rents will go at from 600 to somewhere like 850, okay? Because we're gonna provide value for those residents by improving the property. It's an old 1980s, ni- late 1980s stock property. It needs to be renovated. The tenants want it. They want a better quality of life. I can't wait to do it for them. It's a joy. But because we infuse $200 into that 200 unit, okay? That ends up being $8 million of improved equity immediately. Let me say that again, a $200 rate. So I'm going to run the numbers in my head. $200 on 200 units is $460,000 extra revenue a year. Okay. $200 on 200 units is 460,000 extra revenue at a six cap. We won't get into cap rates, but at a measurement called a six cap, I've created $8 million of equity. So I've borrowed 18 million and I've created $8 million. I cannot do that by saving money in a bank account. Can't. So now I take that $8 million that I created and I go provide additional value for those residents, for that community, and for the investors who are part of that deal. Debt is how wealth gets created, period. Now I'm going to say one more thing that I just started to realize in the last two years. The most powerful thing I've ever realized, because I try to study what wealthy people do so I could become one. All of them try to get rid of their active income. All of them. They transfer their money from their active income into hard assets like real estate because active income is the highest tax income in the land. They get rid of that active income. And instead of having active income, they get passive income, which is usually taxed around 20% or less. And then the way that they live, including starting to be myself, because I'm learning, they take loans out on the assets Mm -hmm. because loans are not taxable. Okay. Debt is everything. So I can go get a loan, let's say for $5 million on personal assets, use 500 grand of it for myself. And then the other four and a half grand, go buy additional assets that will create additional equity that I can then borrow against later. It is Debt is the most powerful vehicle that exists if you use it the right way. Yeah. I was thinking that's likely why CEOs take $0 in salary or $1 yeah. in salary. That just yeah. sparked for me. Thinking all the CEOs in Silicon Valley, like, oh, no, I'm not taking a salary. They, if they take the $5 million salary, 2.5 of it off the jump doesn't even belong to them. Yeah. I'd rather take equity. In something and borrow against it, which they can do against stocks as well, but in a very odd, but yeah, debt is a very powerful tool, Lee, for sure. Yeah. And it's like how these, we say these people that are super rich, they're not paying any taxes. It's, they're doing exactly what you're talking about right now. I, 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 listen, brother. And I'm a, listen, I grew up New York city, inner city, Boston. I, my parents are from Haiti. I didn't, I wasn't poor, but I certainly didn't have a lot. Okay. My, mm-hmm. I had a very stable household. I'm grateful to my parents. 
I'm learning all these things as I go. And I can hear the mantra of probably some folks who might be listening to a show or anyone else who might Google me or look up or whatever and see the Quattro Capital. No, it's very easy for him to say, no, I grew up from nothing. I learned this stuff. I feel like I know 8% of the rules of the rich. 8%. If I learn the rest, oh my God, man. And I'm going to tell as many people as I can what it is so people can leverage it because I have enough. But all this stuff is out there and available for people to understand. Don't just say people are not paying taxes. My tax liability is reduced because I'm providing value to almost 2,000 people who are living in affordable homes. There is a value that people provide that affords them the benefit of not having to pay a certain amount of taxes. But then the government expects you to reinvest that earnings and go do it again for other communities. It's not this, oh, they're, they're not, wealthy people are not paying taxes to get away with stuff. I'm sure there's that subset too. But when you are driving value into a community, especially affordable housing, what I do, of course the government wants to give you breaks because they need you to do it again. You want mm. the government to do affordable housing? Go look at the projects in Boston where I grew up. Go look at the projects in New York where I grew up. The government can do affordable housing, but that's what you're going to get. Crap. Yeah. You get investors like me who do affordable housing. You get people with granite countertops, playgrounds, dog walking parks, upgraded piping, vaulted ceilings. You get value, man. So there's a reason why those rules exist. Can can I push on this a little bit? How many people are like you, though, that you're seeing out there? There are a lot. I I will tell you this. There are a lot, but they are very quiet. They are very quiet. I've I've had this mindset for years, man. Like When I was in corporate, I think, Lee, you know the story, but you guys may not. When I was in corporate, I was a corporate exec making, I don't know, 200 grand. But I was also a street cop working at night. Just crazy to me. Wow. I don't know how you did that. How do you find the time? I wanted to help people. It was in my nature. I just wanted to help people. Interessante. (laughs) Interessante. I think there were good people everywhere, but of course there were jerks everywhere too. You know what I mean? Like there, there are people who will take advantage of the system. I choose not to focus on them. I choose to focus on the positive and do good things for people as much as I can. Like that. Well, what drew you to the challenge of uh, the apartment complexes and mobile home parks and things like that? That, That's not one that you hear everybody. That's not a common one, I don't think. Growth. That's that's it. It's the same reason why I'm developing property in the Mediterranean now. Because when I was doing the single family stuff and I had enough money to live, I wasn't growing. I was just pressing repeat on the same approach that worked. Then you start to realize like, yo, I have enough. I don't really, all I'm doing is making more money at this point. So the next challenge seemed to be multifamily. I walked into a seminar within seven minutes. I walked out and knew that I was going to do apartment complexes. It took me two years to figure out how to do it. I did about eight deals on my own. And then I got really smart and partnered with like-minded people form Quattro Capital. And in the last two years, we've done 25 apartment complexes in two years. We'll probably do 200 million this year. It's all challenge, brother. I have this thing, um, which is very appropriate for your show called freedom principles. I believe in freedom principles. They are financial. And I think if you focus on one or more of them, people tend to be happier. Okay. Financial freedom, time freedom, geographic freedom. Okay. 
I, I like to move around the planet. I don't like to be stuck in one location. And I'll tell you how that manifests. But financial freedom, time, freedom, freedom, freedom to execute a purpose. I had to be a cop. And I wanted to be a street cop so bad I was willing to sleep in the cracks and never get eight hours of sleep in a day. And then the last freedom is freedom to build meaningful relationships. We need relationships to grow. If you're stuck at your shit nine to five and you're not meeting people who are going to be part of your new chapter, you're not going to grow. When I deployed for the military in 2015, I ran a field office because I was a federal agent. I ran a field office in Western Turkey for a year. The Aegean and the Mediterranean region just made me happy. I don't know what it was, man. If it was the food, the language in Turkey, something hit me. And I said in 2015, I'm going to find a way to live or work here relationships. I never let it go. And I finally, through two degrees of separation, realized that someone that I graduated with in college was married to a Cypriot, someone from Cyprus in the Mediterranean. And he happened to be a real estate investor. I got them on the phone, had a Zoom call with them. I was in their living room in Cyprus three weeks later. That's a year and a half ago. I'm on my third development in Cyprus now. We need challenges, right? That's all it was, brothers. Like, challenge life. I don't know how to do business in Cyprus. I, I now have to figure it out. I got my beginner's mindset back, man. So it's always challenges finding the next thing. So since we got all that great information on, you know, creating real estate wealth, I'm really curious to hear about your NFL dreams. <laughs> so how did that come to be? I saw that. I was like, what? You wanted to be in the NFL? This, yeah. That's a little bit about that. I'm just curious. That'll give you a little bit about a little psyche about why I became a street cop too. Because when you're in the huddle, it's 11 guys or women or whatever, everybody trying to get over the end line together. I love football. And I, I went to University of Virginia to play ball. I walked onto the team. I made it. I kind of hated Division One football because it was so competitive. But I just loved being in a huddle looking back at 10 people looking at you and trying to accomplish something. That's all it was. So when football stopped when I was 21 and I gave the NFL a tryout, I went to a tryout and I just, I gave it my best shot and I didn't make it. Here's a funny thing. Four years later, like I, I can't sit in this corporate office. I was going stir crazy. So I went back to grad school, played football again at 24, 25, just to get another shot at the NFL. Yeah, that was Division Two, and you start to realize that 19-year-olds will run circles around you, even if you're 25. <laughs> so I, I, I gave it a shot one more time, didn't work, but then police life showed up, and instead of the huddle, I had roll call. And I had my 10 men and women looking back at me at roll call and then breaking huddle and then going out on the street and taking care of each other and taking care of the community. That's all it was, man. I just like being part of a team, and now I got a new team. Now I got Quattro Capital. So I've always been a kind of a team player. That's a great answer because I was thinking about this. Like, how, did, how does this fall into it? But it makes sense when you're telling me because it's like one thing that people don't realize. I think in the world of investing, especially real estate, mm -hmm. it's a team sport, mm -hmm. right? You got to build your team and you got to work with other people to create wealth. And so that, it worked out well for you. It has worked out. And I do want to say this, that 02 to 2014 timeframe when I was doing all that single family solo, that was depressing. It was terrible. It was terrible because I was um, corporate, nine to five, come home, do the police stuff at night, weekends, real estate. 
I was always on my own, always to the point where I gave up social, social outings and I lost friends. And I call it entrepreneurial depression. I had it for like 13 years. Terrible. I wouldn't change a thing, but I'm aware of it now. So when you surround yourself with like-minded people on a team, I just didn't realize it. That's what I loved about football or being a street cop or now what I do with Quattro Capital. I want to be part of something doing something bigger than me or the military. I wanted to be part of something doing something better than me. But that certainly played itself out of like being alone and doing this stuff. It's better to be in a team and do it for sure. And you, you'll create more together, which is what we've done. I think this speaks to one of your, actually one of your posts from today. It's uh, how we're taught to measure success and it's like salary job title. Yeah. And it says better scale, mental health, physical health. It sounds like you went through that. You had that moment between that time period. You may have been making yeah. some money, but you I didn't know, like it. Yeah. You didn't I, like it. Bro, you make the money. So what? You make the money, you get the title. So what? Who's going to remember your title when you die? I'm not even trying to be morbid, right? <laughs> but nobody cares. What they care is how you made them feel before you leave this planet. What did you do to help that person? What impact did you have on that person? That's why in that post, you see, I was talking about impact. I would take the jobs at Accenture that had the most impact for the most amount of money, but for the least amount of hours. I didn't care about climbing the corporate ladder. I just cared about the steady paycheck so I could invest it in real estate because I knew I was going to get out later. There are people who are still working corporate where I used to work. Like, how did you do that? Because I didn't worry about kissing people's butts and climbing a ladder. I worried about impact and making a check and investing in something that was going to pay me later. So it does matter. Impact matters. Maya Angelou, right? We'll forget, the, we'll forget the things that they say or they do, but we'll never forget how people made us feel. Yeah. Well, dude, nobody cares. We are, we are blips in this universe, this hundred years that we're going to do. We're like micro. You, you think about this real quick, especially for your listenership. Be sure what you are spending time on for a majority of your life is truly going to get you the thing that you want. There are people spending 50 years working because they think that getting a title is going to make them happy. And in fact, the goalpost just keeps moving every time you get a title. I think the goalposts keep moving every time I make money in real estate. It's not the money. You think Elon Musk doesn't give a crap about money anymore. He's trying to impact people in his own way. He's kind of like out there now. Like, you know. <laughs> Twitter is off the charts right Man, now. He's people are losing their shit. <laughs> They're losing their shit about it. But think about what he did, though. Like SpaceX, the boring company, Tesla. That was about changing people's lives. It wasn't necessarily about the money. He's got a ton of it now. Because if it was about the money, then he would have quit already. You know what I mean? He's trying to help people. So it's impact, man. It's not just money. So Mo, going back to like the real estate, I know a lot of our listeners are probably mm. thinking like, well, I don't have the money like to buy a piece of property. Like, yeah. What advice can you give for people that are probably in that situation where like, I just don't, I, I don't know how I can afford it. Especially being the yep. area, New York, Miami, yep. very expensive area. So what would you tell those people? change your area. That's first. Like, listen, you are making, by not making a decision, you're making a decision. I'll tell you that. Like we are choosing to live in these places where the cost of living is insatiable. It is unreal. 
That's the first thing. All right. But fair enough. Let's not have a scarcity mindset. Let's have an abundant mindset. Okay. Store money from your paycheck. Store it. No less than 60 to 70% my entire life because I read that one damn book when I was 21. I just never increased my standard of living. So you can store money from your paycheck until you have enough to buy an asset. That's the first way to do it. I don't make a lot of money. I don't care. Then just your timeline is longer. Store money. Stop giving yourself excuses. Let's say you want to do it faster. Then partner. I don't have $18 million to go buy an apartment complex. I partner with a lot of people. Well, that is the concept of using other people's money. I am nervous to ask people to use their money. Well, you're not asking people to use money. You are allowing people to come into an opportunity. Find an opportunity that makes sense for people. And when you find it, go to your mom, go to your dad, go to your cousin, go to Aunt Shelley, go to the weird cousin Bob who keeps showing up and ask them to partner with you, throw in five grand, 10 grand, 15 grand, and do something. People have this notion that they have to be the person who figures everything out all on their own, including saving all the money. This is what we were going back to. I don't need to compete with y'all, you guys, you three guys. I would rather create with you, mm. pool our money together and go do something special. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to be a little bit blunt on this because I have a right to because I came from nothing. I don't accept I can't anymore. I'm sorry because information is free. I had to go to aisle six of the Fairfax County Library to figure it out back in 2002. But now people got this show, Google, YouTube, find someone who's done it, model them, provide them value, get on their team, create a digital product, write, write a book, get it published, do an ebook, $5 revenue on the internet per download, save that money, go buy an asset that pays you. There, it's, there's too much out there. Go to yard sales, do the Gary Vee thing, go resell. Go buy a cup at a yard sale and realize that you can sell that $2 thing you bought for $10 on eBay. I'm sorry, man. There's just too much out there. The only thing I can state is when people have socioeconomic issues, that's different. When you have people who are growing up in a class where they don't even have access to mindsets or conversations like us four are having, that's a whole different story. And we have to find ways to empower those people to create. I didn't have anything monetarily, but I had my mother and my father. My mother and my father stressed education. So I had that. And a lot of people don't have things. So I can understand that they're, they are in very difficult situations. But there's too much out there for people to be sitting still. I love that. I mean, your parents must be super proud of you. I mean, going for Haiti, isn't it like the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere? 100%. It is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It start, that started back in the 60s and early 70s because dictator by the name of Jean-Paul Duvalier and that mm. family, they raped the country. And ever since, that country has been trying to get a hold and it probably never will. But my parents got real smart and bounced and gave me and my brother a chance. Is their mind just blown at like what, was, what they were able to accomplish and what their kids were able to accomplish? No? No. You know why? why? Because their value was education. All they ever talk about was my college degrees. My parents still don't understand what I did for Accenture for 25 years. They have no clue. Oh, that's interesting. They, when I tell them, mama, we check this out. This, this is my two-year run, okay? 
for whatever it's worth, I'll give a scorecard, but I don't care about the score, scorecard. Because I, I, we said, I already had my financial freedom in 2014. I was okay as a human. So it's not about money. But in the last two years, I've closed on $130, $140 million worth of real estate in the US. I'm probably working on about $30 million of real estate right now. In the, I think Quattro will probably close on $200 million this year. Okay. And you know what my parents are talking about? Are you, how are you feeling about leaving the police department? <laughs> Yo, it, 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 it. <laughs> my mom, my mom. Oh, oh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. They just called yesterday because they've decided to leave Boston to move down to Florida to have a lifestyle, right? My mama has, they've got like six, seven hundred grand of equity in the house in Boston. Mom, sell that. The grandkids don't need it. We don't need it. Nobody's going up there, so she's going to sell it. And she said, baby, the, the houses are, this is her and her Haitian accent, right? Baby, the houses in Florida are too expensive. I keep calling and I'm saying, Mama, how much is, is the houses? They're looking at Boca Raton and not Boca. And she goes, it's anywhere from 800 to 850. And she's like, it's too expensive. Mama, you have, you have 600 grand of equity in the other house, though. You're talking about a $200,000 mortgage for 600 bucks a month, maybe less. She can't switch the thing in her mind that the 800 is the expensive thing. Mm-hmm. Not that she has equity that she can move into it. So because I have financial education, I kind of hipped her on the whole thing. I'm like, mom, we're, we're, we're talking 500 bucks a month at the most. She's like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So self-education is everything, man. We, different generations have a different understanding of what money is and how it moves. Yeah, absolutely. So Mo, can you tell us a little bit more about Cultural Capital and what you guys are doing right now? Yeah, People that want I'd to love check to. that out. All right, thank you for the opportunity. Quattro Capital, we are an alternative investment firm. And by alternative, multifamily is certainly in the mix. Apartment complexes, mobile home communities, et cetera. But we, we do other things. Like we've just acquired land. We're putting uh, tiny homes on those lands in Texas, wine country, et cetera. But our goal is to provide affordable housing for people across the United States. When I say affordable, I mean anywhere from 400 bucks to maybe 1000 bucks, depending on the commu- community and jurisdiction. We'll go out and buy 1970s, 80s, 90s, 2000s now stock existing communities. We'll raise money from private investors. We'll borrow money from institutions as our partners. We'll buy those complexes, improve them the way that I talked with you about, and get back way better than average returns to our investor partners, usually anywhere from two to five year hold type period. And I think we are primarily in the Southeast. Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. We have some Texas, some North Carolina, and maybe about a thousand investors that we work with now. But the goal is to get investors. So Quattro Capital, Quattro means for people, properties, profits into philanthropy. Okay. We always treat people well. You'll never catch me being a slumlord. My investors come first. The money that they invest with us, that ain't money. That's all the time, energy that they put in to creating $100,000 over the years. That's a lot. That's a lot of work and a lot of energy, but we find the right properties to create the right profits, return it to investors, and then give a good portion of it away to philanthropic causes. So that is Quattro Capital. I am very proud of it. I am very proud of it. We are not chasing money. We are creating money that we can do really good things with. Awesome. Amazing stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, thanks for thank you so much, man, for coming on our, our show, man. I could listen to you all yeah. day long. I love your stuff on LinkedIn too. Like for listeners, if you uh, want to follow someone that has some inspirational stuff, go follow Mo on there. I mean, like 
just you give a great perspective on everything. And so I, I really appreciate it. I'm always thanks, checking bro. out your stuff now. So yeah, but yeah, thanks for joining us. And we'll definitely have you on again if you'll come yeah. back on the free return. Anytime, any topic. And I know I can rant, man, but this stuff is really important for people's lives and people have a choice. You can you don't have to count just on the W two. I love work, by the way. I want to make that very clear. I what we do at work is a beautiful thing, but take action outside of that. Prepare yourself because I'm telling you, when you get to your 40s, 50s, and 60s, work's not going to be there, but you still will be. So you got to prepare yourself. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated. Member FINRA at www.finra.org. SIPC, www.sipc.org. A separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.